What is up, guys? Welcome to the Red Nation News Podcast slash YouTube channel. Uh, for those listening to the audio feed, this podcast is back on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Red Nation Hoops. Um, this is exciting. This is exciting. We've started up the YouTube channel. We're going to start uploading podcasts onto here, uh, amongst other things. Um, it's very strange to post anything outside of Twitter. Uh, that is not my forte, but it's try- I'm trying to make it my forte because, frankly, one, I don't trust the stability of Twitter uh, just because of, obviously, the leadership changes and what's been going on over there. And two, I can't stay on one platform my entire life if I expect to grow this business more than a certain capacity. The business is growing, but I need to grow it more. I can't be limited by my Twitter audience. So I am now expanding onto YouTube where there are far more users. And for those of you on YouTube finding me for the first time, hello, my name is Saul Monley. I've covered the Houston Rockets in the NBA in some form or fashion for about eight years. Um, and yeah, that, that that's basically the gist of what I'm going to talk about on this channel. Amongst other things, you know, we're going to, in fact, this podcast is going to talk about other things, but um it's going to primarily center around the Houston Rockets and the NBA. <clears throat> but I may, I, may, I may dabble in some other stuff. Uh, but pretty much for today's podcast, I had an interview planned with a guest. And the interview went great. Uh, the podcast was scheduled to go up a couple of days ago. But for the last couple of days, I couldn't find the file. It, so I couldn't upload the video. And... I was so distraught. I was like, what's going on? And then it dawned on me that there was no file to find because I didn't hit record. And it was probably the most embarrassing moment I've ever had as a podcaster ever. Uh, and it just goes to show you, no, no, no matter how long you do something, you're always learning from your mistakes. You know, I'm eight years into this. Seven years, actually. I started writing for a year, then I started podcasting. But even after all this time doing this, I'm still finding myself getting better. I'm still making mistakes. And that to me is a good thing because that means I haven't reached um, mastery of this. Far from it. I'm still really uncomfortable in front of people, in front of a microphone. I'm an introvert by nature. So this is, you know, I'm tr- I'm trying to view this as a positive thing that, hey, I may have missed out on this awesome interview talking about the Rockets offense, but it dawned on me that I'm still making mistakes. So I have a lot of room to grow uh, as a podcaster. And that makes that's exciting for someone who's been doing this as long as I have. That's really exciting. Um, and I can, I can roll with the punches here. You know, we talked about the Rockets offense in that interview uh, I, I'll talk about the Rockets' offense right now. Screw it, like it's that's fine. Like I'll just do it by myself um, because I don't feel like um, reaching out and getting another guest and or getting the same guest because I, I that would be too much to ask of that guest to do two podcasts with me and only have one of those be uploaded. Um, but you know, I, I I need to upload I need to upload an episode, and I already have half of this epi- episode. Uh, recorded. Uh, it's about pro wrestling. So if you want to stick around for that, 
Uh, it's gonna, I'm going to be with George Flores uh, forever and always of RedNationNews.com. We're going to talk pro wrestling for like about an hour and a half. And I wanted to have Rockets talk before we got to that because obviously people follow this podcast for Rockets talk. So what we're going to do for this first half hour, 20 minutes, however long it takes, is I'm going to talk about the Rockets offense and my frustrations with it. Um, so the Rockets are currently playing the Nuggets as we're speaking. I have stopped watching. I'm going to watch the, this last quarter uh, later, but last I checked, they were down by like 20. And there was no turning that around. They, that game was over. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to go back and watch that um, and that fourth quarter because I want to see what happens in garbage time because obviously the Rockets are so interesting even when in garbage time because they're a rebuilding team. Um, but they scored like 70 points through three quarters. This is a team that is maddening offensively because they have all the tools to be better than this. I'm not saying they have all the tools to be good or even great, but they have the tools to be better than this. The same thing on the defensive end, but I've, I've talked about the defensive end for the bulk of the time I've spent talking about how the Rockets should be better than this. So I'm going to talk about the offensive end today. <coughs> First, let's start with the tools that they have because I, I feel like we're quick to point to what they're lacking, right? Which is experience, which is age, which is... Um, dynamic playmaking we're slow to talk about what they do have which is a lot they have shooting right so many young teams struggle to get shooting to build a cohesive offense like that's the one ingredient that that some teams lack the rockets are not one of those teams they have jabari smith who is a prolific three-point shooter or is going to become one I think he was shooting like two or four, two or four or something before I stopped watching. Um, maybe he's hit a couple more. I don't know. Um, they have Eric Gordon. They have Kevin Porter Jr., who's, who is a good three-point shooter. I'm confident saying that now. They have uh, Jalen Green, uh, who is a damn good shooter, uh, especially off the dribble. His Some of the shots he's been hitting this year are ridiculous. <coughs> and they have shooting off the bench. In Garrison Matthews, Tari Eason, um, you know, you name it. They they have, like, a, a competent group of, like, seven to eight guys that can shoot the basketball. And it's strange to me that their offense is so cramped despite all the spacing that they have. And I feel like there are easy ways to mitigate this. Just change the lineups around. So Alperin Shangun's never plays with a non-shooter. But some but sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes he's playing with a non-shooter. Um so they have that in their tool belt. They have scoring. Like pretty damn good scoring in the form of Jalen Green, guy who's scoring twenty two points per game. Uh Eric Gordon, guy who's scoring like 17, 18 points per game. Kevin Porter Jr. uh may not be as efficient as um as Jalen Green, but you know, guy who's who's getting, uh, you know, seventeen points a game himself, uh, you know, and he is, you know, all all three of these guys can really score the basketball. Alperin Shangun can really score the basketball. I can't believe that slipped my mind. The guy is basically getting twenty points a night now and ten rebounds. Um, 
where he's you know doesn't always get twenty and ten, but he's always in that region of flirting with twenty and ten, and they have guys who can make creases in the defense to keep defenses honest, and then kick out to the shooting, right? Like that's fundamentally what off what NBA offense is in twenty twenty two. It's drive and kick. Obviously, it's more, it's more than that. Obviously, you need dynamic playmaking. Obviously, you need to have guys in the right sp- spaces. Obviously, you guys, you need to run plays to get those actions going, right? Whether that's high pick and roll or horns or whatever the case. There are a bunch of different ways to get that going. And I watched the Rockets and obviously, they there there are things that they lack. Right for preventing them from being a good to great offense, and we'll talk about that in a second. But they can get to competent, right? Which is like not bottom five, right? They can get to twentieth in offense, or maybe twenty second, right? They shouldn't be this. They shouldn't be this bad. They shouldn't struggle to score eighty points by the third quarter. That shouldn't be happening, but it's constantly happening. And the the thing the thing I take away um, right off the bat watching the Rockets, and I the thing I hear constantly when, from other people who watch the Rockets, particularly scouts, is the lack of structure that they have. Uh, and notice I said structure, not not the lack of offense. Right? They obviously have an offense, but I'm not sure if it's the right offense. Their offense is predicated on a lot of read and react, and frankly. Um, their offense is built for a team, a veteran-laden team, or a team with a lot of players with high basketball IQ. And the Rockets are neither a veteran-laden team nor they're a team with a lot of basketball IQ, right? It's just an odd fit to design design this type of offense and give these kinds of players that much leeway when they, in fact, need the exact opposite. They need to be micromanaged, you know? And I kind of wrote about this... um, for RandyJunews.com, when I was describing the offense, they need someone um, that can pull Kevin Porter Jr. after he turns the ball over three times in a row. Or someone who constantly calls timeouts to drill in an offensive concept that they can't seem to grasp. They need someone who is constantly calling plays, right? And functionally, NBA coaches don't like calling plays, right? Because that means that they're having to micromanage instead of letting the offense flow. And that means that their players are adept at running the plays themselves or calling the plays themselves, excuse me. And I know the Rockets want to play fast, and they should try to play faster. Notice I said faster and not fast. They are not equipped to play fast yet because... While they do have a lot of athletes and they, they do have a lot of floor spacing, and theoretically that makes sense. Theoretically, those are two ingredients you need to run the fast break constantly. One other ingredient you need is someone who can play make in the fast break, somebody who can lead the transition. They don't have that guy right now. They have they have a bunch of guys jockeying to be that guy, which means they don't have that guy because when they do when when teams have that guy, it's obvious who that guy is. It's not obvious to me who that guy is on this Rockets team. <coughs> I like Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. Uh, it's it's annoying that I have to keep I have to ca- caveat this every time I talk about it, his game, right? Because I know 
there are such ardent defenders of him, right, that when you make even the microest of criticisms about him, um, they get so fed up, like, oh, they, they, how dare you talk about this guy like he's not a lock to make several all-star teams, right? But I say all that to say, like, you know, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. I think he's going to uh, – I think there's – I'm now open to the idea that he can, be a, he can be a starter in the NBA, which I wasn't open to that before. I think at worst he's going to be a rotation guard for a playoff team. And that is a very high bar to, to clear in the modern NBA, especially what is required of playoff guards. Those guys, you know, NBA teams don't play a deep guard rotation in the playoffs. They play a deep forward rotation. So when you are a guard that's good enough to play deep in the playoffs, that means you are highly skilled and you're bringing a lot to the table. So I think he's going to be able to be one of those guys, you know. Um, so I say all that to say this. I don't think he's the right point guard for this team. I don't think he's, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's a natural point guard, you know. And that's not to say he, he may, you know, his natural position in the NBA may be point guard, but that doesn't mean he is a point guard in the traditional sense, right? There are there are guys in the NBA that play point guard, but this is, it's not necessarily their natural role, all right? Like my one of my favorite players of all time, Tony Parker, right? He's not someone that should be a lead guard. That was Manu Ginobili's job off the bench. He was the guy that was orchestrating offense. Tim Duncan was orchestrating from the post. Um, they were running a system that predicated on ball movement. <laughs> Partially because Tony Parker was never that guy, that level of read and react passer. It's fair. He was a pretty good passer. You know, I love Tony Parker. Again, one of my favorite players of all time was never that guy. Um, Westbrook. Um, this is a guy who averaged double-digit assists year in, year out, in the middle of his prime. Was never that guy. Was never a guy um, that you could trust to make the right team first play every time down the court. And, you know, there you could keep going and going. Allen Iverson, you could go to... Um, Stephon Mulberry is a great example where, you know, I think of Kevin Porter Jr. And I'm like, if he can be Stephon Mulberry, that's a hell of an NBA career, right? Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to clear that bar, but like, you know, guy was averaging like seven and a half assists per game, 18 points. What I don't know what, I can't remember the numbers off his career numbers off the top of my head, but he was a really, really good player and people need to go watch Stephon Mulberry. Um, but he was never that guy, right? And sometimes it felt like he was being, he was being asked to be that guy. And I feel like that when I watch Kevin Porter Jr. Like he's not this guy. He shouldn't. He shouldn't. You know, be held to the standard of if he's not this guy, he doesn't succeed. Which I feel like some people are are doing by trying to defend him so hard as him being a point guard, right? When when you say um, he's absolutely a point guard, well, what if he doesn't succeed at that position, right? If you're not opening the door at all for him to do that. You're doing him a disservice because you're saying he can't find success in the NBA in any other way. And I'm I'm saying it's possible he finds his most of his success in the NBA at point guard, but I'm I'm doubtful. And I'm more I'm more positive that he can find his success in the NBA as an off guard, somebody who's playing off the basketball, somebody playing off of dynamic playmaking. And I think that's kind of what they're lacking on the court. Right? We'll talk about off the court in a second. On the court, they are lacking a dynamic ball handler 
that can be a lead guard for them. Jalen Green, I think, can be a very strong secondary guard. Alperin Shangun, um, I don't think you'll ever get the opportunity on this team to be a hub. And it's possible, you know, I talked with Matt Moore about this. He's skeptical that he'll ever be a hub offense kind of guy. I'm more optimistic that he can be that guy, but, you know, that so far we haven't seen enough evidence to suggest one way or the other yet. Uh, we've seen evidence suggest that it may, may be, but, you know, for right now, I think it's safe to assume we don't have ev- enough evidence to suggest that he is that guy, the hub of the offense, Nicole Jokic type guy, right? <laughs> so, naturally, the pos- the position to look for that guy is the point guard position. And I think the Rockets need to go f- look for it. Like, over the next one to two years here, start making real runways at those guys, whether it's in the draft, trade, free agency, whatever. They need to go find that dynamic playmaker, the guy that stirs the drink for them on the court. They'll never reach elite levels on offense until they find that guy, right? That's just my opinion. The Celtics are pulling it off without that guy, right? Now, they have a a bunch of very good passers, um, you know, sprinkled in throughout the rest of that team, right? Like they have uh, Jason Tatum's a great, uh, a very good passer. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is a very good passer. Um, Derek White's a, a good passer. Like th- they have a bunch of good passers sprinkled in throughout that team. That's allowing them to do what they're doing right now, which is historic. But, um, you know, they that's, that's a unique situation. The Atlanta Hawks, uh, in 2015, that was a unique situation, right? They were, they won 60 games by Boonhoser. Uh, did a fantastic job, probably arguably his best regular season coaching job to date, you know, leading that Hawks team to 60 wins and squeezing that much offense out of Kyle Korver, um, Al Horford, Paul Millsap. Uh, who, else, who else was it? Damari Carroll, uh, Jeff Teague. That team was funky. And I can't believe they managed to win as they they got as good at offensively as they got, but you know that that was these are NBA anomalies, right? To really get there, to really get to the top of the mountaintop, his, traditionally you need a very strong playmaker, and we'll see if the Rockets can acquire that guy over the next couple of years. But that's just my observation on the court. Um, back to off the court, the structure thing. I mean, listen. Like, I'm, I made no, I've made no bones about this. Like, I think they kind of need an upgrade at head coach at some point, and I don't think John Lucas is going to be the guy. And I say that as a massive fan of John Lucas, both as a media person and as a basketball mind. Um, the guy is really respected uh, throughout the league, and by me, frankly, the guy gets players to improve. He just does. He gets he gets guys to get better, and I think that's a talent that is um, really sought, highly sought after, especially for a rebuilding team. Um, by the way, I just checked the Rockets' score, and they're down by twenty uh, with one minute left. Um, so that's just a uh, little bit of an update. Uh, yeah, I think going back to what they need, right and. I think they're going to have to make an outside hire or promote from deep within, like someone who doesn't have a strong enough voice like that, like not Steven Silas, not 
John Lucas. I think they're going to have to go, if they're going to promote from within, they have to go deeper, right? Maybe someone like Mahmoud, um, if they're going to go from, uh, outside the organization, there are a ton of great candidates just sitting there for you. Quinn Snyder, chiefly, is someone I would really look at. You know, I talked about how I think they need someone who can micromanage this group. Quinn Snyder was did a really great job of micromanaging in Utah, um, especially those first couple of years before Donovan Mitchell really came into his own. Um, you know, ironically, the best kind of coach that the Rockets could use is actually Steven, Steven Silas' last boss, Rick Carlisle. <laughs> um, but he's not going to leave the Pacers. But I say all that to say, like, you know, there are good head coaches to be sought after. I just... Uh, I, I don't think, you know, he's the guy. I'm, and I'm not sure if they make that, if they decide to make that very hard decision, that very tough organizational decision this summer, this season, or even next year. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's really tough to time something like that, especially with options, right? Team options and stuff. I I suspect that's, the most likely scenario, like the Rockets choose to not pick up Silas's last year option and then go to a go to go do a tr- uh, large scale coaching search like they always do and find their next guy. But you know, it's possible they pick up the option and decide to kick the can down the road another year. It's tough. It's not easy. You know, like it's easy for me to talk about. Um, and perhaps it's even easy for people in that organization to say, but it's harder to be Rafael Stone and do it, right? It's harder to be in that seat and pull the trigger on the move like that. It's much more fun to, to hire a head coach, right? Even um, Darrow, I thought this was a weakness of his. Um, I thought he held on to Kevin McHale too long. I thought after the Portland series, that's when I would have made it the move to search elsewhere. But they held on. He started the year really well and Mikhail earned himself an extension. And it was obviously the wrong move because the following year he gets fired. And I think sometimes it's better to be too early than too late on something like that. But it's, it's so hard to, again, like, it is so hard to judge what is the right time to do something like this. I don't know. I don't envy that position. You know, gun to my head, I would say I'd make that move this summer. I don't think there's any benefit to doing it any mid-season. But I'm glad I'm not the one to have to make that decision. It's 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 tough. Watching the Rockets offense, it's really frustrating because you know there's more there. There's too much talent for them to be underachieving like this. They're going to win. They're on pace to win about 20 games again for the second season in a row. They're going to be a bottom three record for the third season in a row. Like, this is not great. This is not the standard that people should have, should come to expect from them. It's not, it's not just that they're a young team. It's not just that they're rebuilding. It's not just that the roster 
is a bunch of 20-something-year-olds. Sure, those are obstacles working against Houston. But they can't be holding Houston back this much. They should be able to win 30 games. And I'm not just saying that because I pegged them to win 30 games. I'm saying that because they have enough talent to do that. But it's, again, not 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 easy. NBA, NBA coaching is not easy. NBA general managing. General managing? I think that's a word. NBA front officing is not easy. So, as always, I'm much more equipped to talk about things from this side of the organization, as is everyone. Uh, we're all pundits at the end of the day. As far as the Rockets are concerned, um, this is going to look. This looks like it's going to be another rough year. If you're a fan of pro wrestling, stick around because we're going to talk pro wrestling for about an hour and a half with George Flores. Very fun conversation. Never get a chance to do this, but hell, it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. Please like, comment, and subscribe because I've been told that helps people find this YouTube channel. I will talk to you guys next week. And we are joined by George Flores, always and forever of RedNationNoops.com. George, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Salman. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm not sure if you can see my t-shirt. Uh, kind of got oh, my, yeah. my World Series t-shirt right here. Uh, it's been a while. Since I last recorded a podcast, nice hat, nice hat. It's been a while since I last recorded a podcast. In between then, the Astros did something of, of significance, and I'm I'm pretty happy. I, I I'm I'm still on cloud nine. I'm still on cloud nine uh, as a lifelong Astros fan. You know, you, you know the struggle. Um, oh, yeah. It feels oh, yeah. it feels it feels great to be back on top of the mountain, and uh, you know, talk your shit because a lot a lot has been thrown at our team over the last. Uh, Let's say five years, five six years. Yeah, I won't. Listen, I won't get into it too much. As someone who was in attendance for Game Six, it doesn't really get any higher than that. So mm. there's no need. There's no need to bring any negativity on the uh, on the uh, the Manfreds of the world and all the beat writers that were uh, that had a lot of fun at the Astros' expense. So uh, we're having a lot of fun at everyone else's expense. That's that's how I see it now. Yeah, I really. So I was at the parade, and I really wanted them to give a speech. Because I wanted them to, you know, talk their shit, but you know, it never happened. But it, it it is what it is. Listen, they're taking the high road. I would never do that. That that sounds boring. <laughs> but on this podcast, we can do whatever we want. We can take the low road. We're gonna ride firmly in the low road today, and we're gonna start uh, by talking about some professional wrestling. So a few months ago, on part one of the 250th episode of Renation Noobs, I had Rahil Ramzanali on, and this was shortly after Vince McMahon had stepped down, and Triple H took over. And to me, that was like the most excited I've been as a wrestling fan in years. Um, and here we are in November, and I'm even more excited. And here's what I'll say, and, and tell you tell me if I'm wrong, George. Uh, how you remember wrestling in the 2020s is going to be shaped a lot by what happens in the next 12 to 24 months. I'll get into why I believe that in a second, but off the cuff, is that a fair statement? I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I think um, how we remember it started a few months ago when Vince McMahon stepped down um, because it's a culmination of a lot of what we're going to talk about. You sent me sort of the uh, the agenda uh, before we hopped on here, but 
in terms of the stuff we're going to talk about, I think it all starts with a few months ago when, uh, you know, Vince McMahon had to step down for reasons we won't discuss, but he had to step down and, mm-hmm. uh, it just injected some fresh life. Meanwhile, in the rest of the wrestling world, there's a lot of other fresh, uh, life going on. So it's, it's been, it's been a great time to be a wrestling fan. I think for the last couple of years, but especially so these last few months, um, was sort of an uptick in general interest. Well, SmackDown has been a must watch for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I, I make it a point to try and not miss SmackDown when there's not a basketball game going on, right? That I want to really want to watch. I, I got to watch SmackDown. Um, it's just must see TV. I mean, especially you, you look at the stuff the Bloodline's doing right now. I guess we can start there. It's more natural to start there. The yeah. Bloodline right now, which is you know the, the faction that Roman Reigns leads with with the, Us- the Usos, and now Sami Zayn, the honorary Us. It's must see television. It's must see television. Yeah, it's like, must see television. Mm, like I, 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 every segment they're on must tick up the ratings by a lot because it really is like organic. You could tell they're speaking off the cuff. There's no scripts, right? Um, it, it's it's difficult sometimes to keep your composure because they're having so much fun, right? They're they're you can tell that they're having so much fun doing it. Which makes yeah. us have fun watching it. Like it yeah, translates. And, yeah, it totally translates. And part and part of um, part of why it's so much fun right now is just like you mentioned, the natural and organic way that it's growing. I mean, we're we're catching every Friday night. We're catching the bloodline in the ring, and Sami Zayn, whether intentional or not, is making the guys crack up in the ring. And the audience in the the audience in the arenas gets it. The audience at home gets it. Twitter gets it. Everyone is just a buzz with essentially every every word that comes out of anyone in the bloodline's mouth basically because so let's talk every... Sami Zayn for a second i, I we'll, yeah. we'll get it, we'll get into the bloodline we'll get into the bloodline yeah, so absolutely. 6 6 years ago when i tuned in for, to wrestling for a brief period Sami Zayn was kind of boring to me as a character right he was this happy go lucky good wrestler that didn't really have much going on for him other than oh he was friends with Kevin Owens once and there was like a feud and I didn't care. Frankly, I, 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 I did not care that much about Sammy, Sammy Zayn. I thought he was a very talented in-ring performer. I had no idea if he could talk or not just because he, I never, never had the opportunity to. And, mm-hmm. and now it's like he has, he's grown out his hair. He has a beard now. Uh, he, he's, he's walking around wrestling matches with a shirt on, which nobody else is doing. He's the only one doing this. He's, he's just, he keeps his t-shirt on in the, in the middle of the match. Um, he's he's honorary use. He's got to show that T-shirt off. He's got to let everybody know. Yeah, I mean, he's got a very strange kind of Weasley character, and it's great. It's it's so fun to watch him kind of cling on to the bloodline and actually be like a significant contributor. He's helped them win a lot of matches on screen, um, and like you know this whole thing that he's doing with Jay, like you know they're constantly clashing. Uh, I, I love the writing there. I love. There's obviously going to be a big blow up, and we'll see when that. We'll, we'll talk about if that happens when it happens. Um, you know, you know how he's endeared himself to Roman Reigns and like that whole dynamic, and like the, you know Jimmy o, Jimmy Uso's love Sammy, all that stuff. Like that, he is making that thing. So apparently, this thing had died down. Like the 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 momentum of the bloodline had died down, as you explained it to me. When, and then Sammy comes in and injects life into it. Is that a fair characterization of what was going on? Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, prior to Sammy's, Sammy Zane kind of getting in a 
involved with the bloodline, they were still the top act in the business, just straight up. I mean, there's mm -hmm. whatever that means. Uh, but objectively, uh, there's no such thing as objectivity in wrestling. So I'll, I'll take that back. But I think from a business standpoint, from a merchandising standpoint, from a TV time standpoint, it was clear the bloodline was still the top act in the whole business. Uh, but I think you could say things were starting to get stale, especially at the time the roster's kind of thinning out. AEW uh, is kind of, I don't want to say poaching guys, but if people were released or people contracts came up, there's a great opportunity at all yeah, of the wrestling. They had and, the momentum for a while, right? And then yeah. when Triple H steps in, the momentum shifts back to WWE in a big way. Yeah. So, so you know, with, with AEW signing a ton of talent, like talent that I love, like uh, Keith Lee, for example, someone who I thought could be a main event player wherever he goes, uh, he gets he gets signed out to AEW. So all of a sudden it's starting to look like the challengers for Roman Reigns are dwindling. Uh, and it's starting to look like just the intrigue in WWE's top act is dwindling a little bit. And it's not it's not because they're not putting out great work. It's more like where else can the story go? There's not a, there's not a lot else for it to go. I think everyone knew um, that the Usos' little brother Solo Sokoa uh, was in NXT and doing a good job. And I think people I thought, forgot okay, about Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people thought, you know, okay, he he enjoyed the bloodline. He can keep them going. Um, I don't think anyone expected that thing that that re totally revitalized the bloodline is Sam, Sami Zayn. And to Sami Zayn's credit, and to kind of speak on sort of the the Sami Zayn uh, that you missed out on right before uh, honorary it was Sami Zayn, he he had a whole conspiracy theorist gimmick. Is that where the hair and, comes from? Like yeah, the long yeah, hair. Okay. Yeah, he had he had grown his hair out. He he had he had sort of injected some of his real life activism into the character, but he took it. As you, as you do in wrestling, he took it to 11 and it went a little crazy. He had some awesome, awesome promos, awesome segments. Uh, and it culminated in like an awesome match and feud with the, the, the cast of Jackass of all people. <laughs> and so they had a great match, but I don't think anyone after that, you kind of maybe see the peak of that, um, that conspiracy theorist character. You don't necessarily know where it's going to go. Um, and so I think there was a pivot. Where some of that character, the the bones of that character are still around, but now it's just Sami Zayn. Uh, we don't know if he's leeching off the bloodline yet, but I I suspect that's where the story goes, and that's how th that's how things blow up with Sami and the bloodline. But um, that's the precursor to where we are now, essentially. And and Sam, I, not only is the bloodline must see TV, I think Sami Zayn is must see TV every week. Well, it's it's strange because you you say we're not sure if he's leeching off the bloodline. I'm not sure either. Like it seems like. At times he's a high level contributor, and at times it's like he's not—he's not carrying his own weight, right? Like even last week on SmackDown, I'm, I'm not—you know—you obviously you didn't watch SmackDown, but um, you know Roman comes in, saves the day, and he's like walking towards Sam, and he's kind of like—he kind of looks like a disappointed dad. He's like, oh, I gotta go save this guy again, right? Like I'm like this guy's just like dead weight to me. And then later, like the the next instant, Sammy saves Roman, right? So they're they're very much like he's kind of like essential, but. At, at points, he's, he's dead weight, right? And like, you're not sure if he's there because it, it's going to help boost his career or, or, you know, you're not sure if he's there if he just wants to be there, right? He's kind of a toying between being a heel and a babyface because he very much works like a heel. But, you know, on screen, when he's, when he's doing these promo segments, he comes off very likable as the babyface of the faction. Yeah. And, and it's by design at this point. I think it's mm -hmm. start. I, I don't think that was the design at first. I think the design was Sammy's leeching off the bloodline. He's building distrust within the bloodline. 
all of a sudden the crowd gets behind it because Sammy is just so talented. Uh, and the and the mic work has been just incredible. Um, I didn't know he was this good. I really didn't. I, yeah, I didn't know he was no, this good and, promo. And and I think uh, to to your point earlier, like his NXT character, the happy go lucky, happy to be here guy, trusting everyone kind of guy. He was he could be really insp- inspirational on the mic and and motivational. And I think the crowd could get behind him. And in NXT, he was doing awesome work. But nothing unlocks a pro wrestler's persona like a heel turn. Like a, just a massive heel turn and a massive shift. Um, so Sammy's taking full advantage of that, and I think they had to kind of put the leeching off the bloodline thing uh, on hold for a bit. Because if you think about it, I mean, in story in story terms, he's probably quote unquote making more money. He has higher power. He's you know he's associated himself with with the big dog, and so. That's like the storyline perspective, but it hasn't resulted in like the Intercontinental Championship or anything like that. Like it, from a material standpoint, uh, within kayfabe, you're not really seeing Sami Zayn's career grow, but you know his career is growing because of just the association and all the great work he's doing. Like it's that weird recognition where the crowd's like, "Yeah, we know this is a story. We know this is this is not scripted, but bullet pointed or whatever. It's it's coming from direction." Um. But we don't care. We're loving it anyway, and that's that's when an organic story really takes over the business, and and that's what we're seeing right now with Sami Zayn, and it's just cool because I think they're going to come back to the leeching off the bloodline point uh, at some point when this blows up. But they're having too much fun with it right now, so they're just letting it ride, and that's what that's what's making it fun every week. I think that's the right right move. I think sometimes the WWE makes mistakes in that they have a plan in their head and they execute the plan despite how the audience is reacting, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Roman Roman is the perfect example of this, right? Like a, initial Roman, right? Uh, yeah. He was he was supposed to be the guy. They they built him up to be this guy. Audience wasn't responding the way they wanted, and and they wanted him to turn for the longest time. And when he finally did, it activated his career. That was organic, right? Um, you you look at um, and we'll talk. We'll, I'm going to get back to Roman in a second, but you you look at what they're what they're doing with the bloodline, and I don't think they expected it to be this popular with the crowd. Like, I really don't. Like, the honorary Oost thing, like, that was a t-shirt they invented on the fly. Uh, the, the the whole Oosie chance, like, that promo was, that was not supposed to be a touch point of that promo. I don't think so, at least. No, like, I, the the, I the way they all broke down at that point, like, it seemed like that was unexpected. Roman looked at Sammy, like, are, are you for are you for real right now? Like, is this, is this what you're doing? And he has to kind of re- recompose himself. It's like, okay, how am I going to work with this? Like, how am I supposed to work with what he's just given me? And he, he lands the plane. He lands the plane in the promo, which is, you know, speaks to Roman's growth as a talker, as a, as, you know, a promo guy. But like, I don't, I, I, I think a lot of this stuff, they're kind of like, okay, let's just run with it because it's working. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're coming out and, and they're, now you see Usi like, as a word that they're using in regular vernacular. Right. It's not even funny anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just using it. And I think that's that's the in professional wrestling that's where you get the best stuff, right? That's where Chris Jericho always found his best stuff, right? When he was like this amazing, hot, amazingly hot guy like six years ago, these things would just blow up. Like the word "it," like what, what does yeah. that mean? It means yeah. nothing, but he made it mean something. And yeah. Sam, Sammy has made his character mean something beyond anything I think the head guys at WWE could have ever imagined for him. Totally, yeah. I mean. I, I, I couldn't put it any better than that. I, I don't think anyone was expecting it to, to work this well. And so I'm glad that they're running with it and just letting it fly. I mean, 
Uh, I don't think the initial plan is for Sami Zayn to be with the bloodline, um, like still uh, still on their side and them, them still being uh, uh, cool with Sami Zayn, like going into WrestleMania. But if this goes another year because it's working, then it goes another year because it's working. I think, like you mentioned, WWE has always been a little steadfast in their plans and stubborn, uh, but with a new regime um, and just sort of, taking the audience reaction and, and the online reactions and the merchandise reactions. Cause I know that honorary shirt, it must be a, a, a big seller. I don't know the numbers 100%. or anything like that, but it has to be hundred percent. So, yeah. so if, if they just let it ride, then they, that's, that's when you get stuff that works. That's when all the rocks catchphrases come from. That's where, like you mentioned, Chris Jericho, that's where all of his stuff comes from. All of the reinventions of his characters throughout the years. That's where the attitude era in general comes from just working with what's hot. And I think the people's elbow was literally just something that the rock did to make the undertaker break character. And yeah, it, it, the, the dumbest thing, the dumbest yeah. thing. And it's, and it's survived to this day. So, like I would, I wouldn't be shocked if in 10 years we're watching Sami Zayn hall of fame video package and it's, and it's bloodline focused, even though this might only be a one year run or however right. long this run is going to be, it, it's going to be bloodline focused because of the, how, just how good the work has been right now. And I love how it's a slow build, right? Like, so I kind of compare the bloodline to like evolution in like the, in like the two thousands and like Roman reigns to that triple H figure. Right. And like there, you can see a bunch of stars here that can break out from this, right? Jay Uso, uh, Sami Zayn, uh, Solo Sokoa, like these guys could all become really significant, you know, guys in the WWE, specifically Sammy. And they're like, you know, the feud with him and Jay, they're, they're very like deliberate about, Let's let's play it up and then let's peel it back. Like let, let let's not go all the way there yet. You know, let, let's peel it back. Let's make it all friendly again. And they're gonna keep doing that week after week after week. I rem- I'm reminded of like Triple H and Batista, right? That was a, the longest build ever. You go back on YouTube and you watch that build. Somebody's made a video of it. It's like 50 minutes long, right? Like of yeah. this tiny segments built built together over weeks and weeks of building. And I I love how they're doing that here. It's very old school. It's very refreshing. They're, they're gonna they're gonna have it blow at blow up at some point. And let's go back to Roman Reigns, right? Doing the best work of his career. I I, I just compare him to Triple H, right? I think he's legitimately that level of guy. And I'm wondering, you know, we we've been having this conversation off here for like weeks. Who's gonna be the guy to take him down? Is it Sammy? Like Sammy feels like the right guy right now, right? He feels like this guy is just so hot right now. I know the WWE didn't intend for him to be the guy. But, it, you know, as we talked about earlier, if something's organic, scrap all your other plans. Go with what's working, right? Yeah. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin became king of the ring, even though he wasn't the guy, right? right. That just became something. And I think that, you know, with Sammy, it's like this is – you got, you got to elevate this guy to a main event status pretty soon. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Sami Zayn is the right guy. I think um, he's the right guy to dethrone Roman Reigns, however that happens. Um whether or not it's Sami Zayn, I feel like it's not going to be Sami Zayn just from a pure, like, this is not what was planned standpoint. And I yeah, think the logistics they have, are hard. Yeah. yeah, the logistics are hard. It depends also. We don't know how how much longer Roman Reigns wants to go, like, full tilt. Maybe he wants a break after WrestleMania, that kind of stuff. All is going to play a factor into future, future title plans. Uh, the Cody Rhodes thing, uh, I think it was clear when he debuted at Mania last year that he was he was the guy whenever that would be, which my guess would have been WrestleMania 39 uh, in 2023. <clears throat> then you, you've got other guys out there. Seth Rollins always 
I mean, he's been doing amazing work. That character doesn't necessarily work for me super well, but he does amazing work constantly. I'm not the biggest uh, fan of that character. Did, did you happen to watch Seth Rollins' last interview? Um, he did a real lit, long sit-down interview with Ariel Hawani, and he talks did, about yeah, yeah. So he talks about how he feels like he could have been the guy for this generation, but he's never had that. He's never gotten the opportunity at the brass ring. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've kind of felt that way about Seth at, at, at times too, right? Like the architect character was amazing. And I was like, I, I, I don't know why they're, they're not running with this longer. Like they, they cut mm-hmm. that short because of their plans with Roman. And I get it. Like, you know, the, Vince is pretty stubborn, but like they could have done a lot more with it. And I wonder if like how you bring him back into the main event picture, because right now he's at the mid card picture. He's at the top of the mid card, but he's at the mid card picture. That, that's an interesting guy that I hadn't thought about in a while until you just, until you just brought him up. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't even say that he hasn't had the opportunity. I think all of the last year or so has been nothing but opportunity because he's just been free uh, to do whatever he's doing with this weird character. But I think the character is a little too weird. It's not focused. Uh, and I think yeah. that's, and I mean, it's, it's working for a lot of people. I mean, it, I don't like his theme song. People are, people are chanting it every, every week. Um, I feel the same exact way. You and I are like simpatico on this. I don't get it. it like it, I don't get why it's popping, but it's popping. It's pop. It's popping. And I mean, uh, not to get not to jump ahead too much, but it's it's popping in a way that works for a lot of people. That it doesn't work for me the same way. His cohort from the Shield, John Moxley, is popping in AEW. <laughs> uh, it's it's the same for me. There's just something missing. It's like a ten percent, five percent that once whatever it is, it would unlock them and they would be the top. They would actually be the top in the business, but ne- neither of them are. But really, in Seth's case, he's not. And I don't think it's from lack of opportunity. I just think there's a little. If your if your opportunity coincides with uh, the Roman Reigns heel turn and the bloodline thing, then I'm sorry, you just that's just all time bad luck. That's yeah. That's that's missing twenty seven threes in a game seven. That's just all time bad luck. That is that is the Rockets going up against the Warriors for years and years and years. But that's the all time Warriors. That's that's just bad luck. So it's not that Seth can't get there. I think he will. But to kind of drive it back um, to the topic of who's the guy to beat Roman Reigns, I think it has to be. I threw out Seth Rollins because a lot of a lot of those names keep coming up. Drew McIntyre had a shot at Clash at the Castle, and I think it was the right move not to put it on Drew McIntyre, um, but to give him that shine. Um, so a lot of those main event types keep coming up. Karrion Cross, I don't see it. Uh, Cody Rhodes, I could see that. I think that's probably still in play. But I think it has to to serve the story of the Bloodline. It has to be someone in the Bloodline, mm. uh, and. So I think Sami Zayn's perfect, but I actually think we bring it full circle. I think it should be Jey Uso. Yeah, I mean, so I don't hate that. Like, so my next question was going to be: if not Sami, then who? Right? Jey's yeah. not a bad idea, actually, and it's and it makes sense with the story they've built with the Bloodline. Like, the start of the Bloodline was literally Jey Uso's main event run, right? Which yeah. I didn't know about until we went on a YouTube rabbit hole. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know he had this in him. But, yeah, main event, Jay. Main yeah. event, Jay. I think we go back to him. Um, and and you can you can see the seeds planted already, right? He is sort of. I don't give a damn what the tribal chief says, right? Like yeah, it's the biggest right. seed, right? But yeah. it's not just it's not even just that. It's that he's sort of. If there's division in the bloodline, it's it's one versus four. So he's on the one. He's on the side of the one. And I think eventually, whatever the reasoning is, whether it's they figure out what Sami Zayn's ul- ulterior motives have been this whole time, 
and Jay was right all along not to trust him, that kind of stuff. Uh, or if it's Roman's gotten too big for his britches, which I would love the story to go in that respect where Roman beats The Rock at WrestleMania or something like that, and he's still champion through next summer. And and the way it culminates is, well, Roman's gotten too big for his britches. Now he's treating everyone like crap, um, mm. including including his blood. Uh, and so I think that's a good way to turn it so that not I only like- the bloodline, but the crowd starts to get behind Jey Uso again. And Jey Uso was like, I was right this whole time, even when he was feuding with Roman two years ago. He was right the whole time. Like, Roman's too big for his britches. Uh, he he might be the head of the table, but it's not like it's not like we're not a dynastic fami- family here. I mean, WWE might as well be a Samoan territory because of <laughs> all of the all of that family, the Anoa'i li- lineage. Its foot its footprints are all over WWE's history. So I think if if you you want to serve the story, and more importantly, as we talked about a lot offline, is you want to build a, main, a new, fresh main eventer, go with Jey Uso. I don't hate it. I actually like it a lot. Uh, I mean, and, and the story you posed actually at the beginning, uh, you know, before you went on the, like, he holds his title next summer. I actually like that one better. The one where, you know, he let's, he's got this match with, with uh, at Survivor Series, right? And it's against Kevin Owens, right? And if, if for some reason Sammy doesn't side with the bloodline in a situation where, it's it's the bloodline or Kevin Owens. If he sides with Kevin Owens, and that's where the blow up happens. It's and you know, Jay has to look at 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 leadership, which is you know obviously Roman. Right. Like, listen, man, I've been telling you this. Like, I I don't know why you put so much trust in this guy. You're giving this guy T-shirts. You're 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 letting him in like our 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 group here, and like I I don't understand it. Like, I think that's the best way to go with it. If you're gonna go with Jay, now. Can I pose my alternative, which I posed to you today, and I'm, I'm actually I'm actually upset that I I, I spoiled <laughs> the surprise. I I, w- I would like it to be John Cena. Yeah, I would like it to be this. John Cena. Yeah, I I think John Cena's got another monster run in him, and I think it's as a heel. And we've been wanting this for like five or six years, but I think now it's time. You know, he, he, he and here's why it's time. First of all, he's lost to Roman a bunch of times now, right? So naturally. The next time he faces Roman, it can't be he can't beat him clean because he can't beat him clean. We've already seen that. We've seen that match. But if he turns heel during the match, and that's how he breaks Ric Flair's record, you know, as an homage to him, maybe he he wins the match by low blow, dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair. Yep. He winning that winning the match like that seems perfect to me on so many levels. And you think about how John Cena is received when he comes back to the WDB nowadays, right? It's as a, it's as a huge babyface, mm-hmm. monster baby babyface pops, right? And I feel like you can incorporate that into the storyline, right? Because it's like John can go on after he turns heel and be like, "Why weren't you guys giving me this energy when I was here all the time?" Right? Like right. so 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 mm-hmm. now you guys like me, right? Yeah. Like nah, I I don't want this. To take it, take it. I don't want it. Like, give me, keep, keep that same energy. I, 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 I want to be treated the same time, like the same way I was before. Right. Like I, I, I don't need your adoration and stuff. And, you know, now this gives an opportunity for the WWE to, to do a proper baby face run for Roman, which I think elevates Roman again. Right. Cause like Romans needed that for the longest time and it didn't work at first cause it wasn't authentic. It wasn't genuine and it's, it's going to work now. 
because everybody likes him. I like him. I like him a lot. I didn't like him before. <laughs> well, I didn't like his character. I don't want to say I don't like him. Right. 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 Uh, like we people like his res- like and respect his work now. And I think if you turn him face now against John Cena, I mean that'd be a, a legendary rivalry. And like I know there's going to be people, people saying, "Oh, it's been done before." It's been done before, but not like this. Right. Like not 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 with uh the the tables changing like that. And you know, again, like I think you know, yes, it, this is a perfect opportunity to elevate a main eventer, right? Or make someone make a new main eventer. It's also a perfect time to kind of capitalize on John Cena's 16th title reign, which, you know, WWE's been saving in their back pocket for a while for something special. I mean, what's more special than John yeah. Cena turning heel for the first time? Right. I mean, listen, I, I don't think it'll happen just because of pure practicality of it. We've lost John Cena to Hollywood. I don't expect some kind of full-time run, even if it's two months, three months. I don't, I don't really expect that, but assuming he's cool with it, and assuming WWE wants to pull that trigger finally on that heel turn, you're right. I, there's no more epic way to do it uh, than to win the 17th uh, and break Ric Flair's record by turning heel, the thing we ne- thought would never happen, against Roman Reigns, who, in my opinion, is having one of the, the greatest title runs in WWE history. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, WWE is more of a chase uh, babyface territory that's what that's what it's that's how they've always been known it's always about the baby face chasing the title uh and the heels doing their dastardly deeds to keep the championship um uh but in this case no one ever like you remember stone cold winning you don't remember the run with the championship that kind of that kind of stuff with this roman reigns it wasn't about winning the championship it's about the two years holding it that that's been the that's been the great story there um so to end an all-time title run with a thing we thought would never have uh, a thing we never expected would happen in John Cena's heel turn um, to break Ric Flair's record, the dirtiest player in the game. I think it it it's I think it's a great idea. I I don't see it happening just because I don't see a John Cena. He would have to be around at least as much as Roman Reigns is now, and Roman Reigns is kind of taking a step back with his schedule. So, but I don't see that happening necessarily because, uh, well, the guy who gave uh, John Cena his major play with Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. James Gunn is now a, in charge of DC. So that could mean a lot more play for John Cena. So that's just, I'm just taking that into account as well. There's a lot of time between uh, those movies, man. It's a lot of time, a lot of dead time. Uh, there might not be a lot of time when you're shooting season two of Peacemaker and then hopping into the Suicide Squad sequel and then hopping into a Superman movie and then hopping into James yeah. Gunn got the keys to the kingdom. So he might use John Cena a little bit more, but with that said, John Cena loves WWE, and I think he will be back. So that's the best. That's a great way to do it. Um, I don't see it happening just for the practicality of it all, but that's a great way to do it. My only caveat to that, I, I texted you this offline, is I wouldn't want it at WrestleMania. And the reason for that is I think if you book John Cena versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, you get a little bit of like a, oh, it's Roman versus Brock again. They went. The, bu- break, the build is the, anticlimactic, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's break glass in case of emergency. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we needed the biggest matchup on paper possible, so what is that? Roman Reigns versus John Cena. And it's not something fresh, like a Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes or like a Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn or even whoever, whoever it might be that, even if it's Roman versus The Rock, which, I mean, that's still in play. I think there's a 50-50 shot it happens. Um 
all all of there's there's more intrigue in other matchups than with John Cena versus Roman, and then you have to build to it. If we're doing that idea, Salman, I think we do it like right before, not even SummerSlam. I think we make it a more even more random pay per view. We do like Extreme Rules. Money. I just came, I just came up I just came up with a cra- crazier idea. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, okay. As no, you're so, talking. Okay. I'll just saying we 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 do it where there's not a lot of build. John mm-hmm. Cena comes. He comes back. Big pop. Everyone loves it. Oh, he's going up against Roman Reigns. This is a nice little placeholder match in the year. Then they have the match with not a lot of build. And it's a match, and no one has expectations because it's not WrestleMania, it's not SummerSlam, it's not Royal mm-hmm. Rumble. Although right. Royal Rumble would actually be a great place to do it. Um, and you just have kind of a match with not a lot of build, and then boom, that happens. The heel turn happens in the match. All of a sudden, that's intrigue. Cena wins the title in the way he did. You can't you can't say Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown aren't must watch right after that in maybe a downtime for WWE. Like if you do it in the summer before SummerSlam, I think that's that's the perfect time to strike. I wouldn't do it at WrestleMania solely because of the expectations and the build that you need to have and all that. There are better stories to tell than, than Cena versus Roman. Right. Well, yeah, I hear you. I, I do think it has to be at a big venue because the significance of a heel turn is so big, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it's not WrestleMania, maybe it's SummerSlam, but I'll, I'll, let me pitch something. So the, the, the way I originally pitched it to you would be a text message was that Cena comes back at the Rumble and wins the Rumble, right? And the reason I say it like that and not like Cena comes back and challenges Roman is like we've done Cena comes back and challenges Roman. Like Roman doesn't, in, in kayfabe, he doesn't owe Cena anything. He's given you so many title, title opportunities, right? So I don't think... It's hard to sell that to the fans if he just comes back and he's like, okay, so this guy just comes back and gets title matches every time. Like, like let, let this guy at least earn it, right? And here's my, here's my pitch upon that. Here's how we build upon that. So he, he turns heel, wins the title at WrestleMania. That next year is Roman versus Cena all year. And then Rock comes back. And we, we go into next WrestleMania, not with Roman versus Rock, but with Roman versus Rock versus Cena, a triple threat match. So it's literally three generations facing off in a giant blow-off at the next Mania. And you can sell it, the Roman and, and, and Rock thing, however you want. There's a bunch of different areas, uh, you know, a d- different ways to go about that. But you already got that built-in storyline with Cena and Roman, right? And I think that's the way you do it. And you, and you, you end that with, obviously, Roman on top. Uh, he beats both those guys. It's, it's, he finishes, he caps off his babyface run with a major title victory at, at WrestleMania. What is that going to be? 42, 41? What is it? Not this year, um, but the next year. 40, 40. 40. Okay. At, at WrestleMania 40, you know, he, he caps off his uh, babyface run with a win over John Cena and The Rock. I mean, I don't know. It's goosebumps for me. That's, that's pretty big. I will say, though, if, we, if we're getting The Rock, we got to sign him for two matches. Because I need that Rock Roman <laughs> one one versus one v one versus I mean, one. We we need that. Uh, I'm more traditional like that. Um, I want my WrestleMania main event to be a one v one with just two of the top stars, or at least two of the guys that that if they're not if they're not the biggest box office, then they then they should have earned that spot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And in this case, I mean Rock versus Roman. That's just big box box office. Roman's earned that spot. He's been in that spot. Rock. That's a that's like a given spot, no matter when when he decides to come back. So, um, but I'm more traditional like that. I like the one V ones to, to close out my WrestleManias, but that's why I say, if we're doing it like that, we got We got to get rock to sign two matches so we can do the triple threat and then later do the one. 
one-on-one versus, versus Romans to see who actually is the the head of the table of the Anoa'i family. I'm I, I'm I'm okay with that. And what's interesting is like the next the next uh, mania is that in in Hollywood, right? Not not this one, but the one after this forty. No, this this one uh, thirty nine in twenty twenty three is in is in Hollywood in forty. Oh, okay, Philly. okay, that's kind of weird then. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. you would think The Rock would want to come back for Hollywood, huh? I, I, I wonder how it's not they're going question. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's certainly not. Um, in in this in this theoretical universe, it is though. But yeah, I mean, it's right. it's, it's just it's just a pitch. It's just a pitch. I'm glad you you thought it was a great idea though. Like, you, I mean, I'll take it. It's not practical, but it's a great idea. I'll, I'll take. Yeah, it. no, I, I I like the the Cena Cena turning heel beating Roman thing a lot more than I like the triple threat thing, for example. Um, mm. Um, but that's because I think those are two different stories that can be told, and and I don't want to, I don't, I personally don't want to like burn them both in the same match if we can tell them two separate ways. Oh, um, maybe maybe you cap off, maybe you do two separate matches, then you cap off the Roman thing at like a SummerSlam. He be, he beats Cena at like a SummerSlam for the title, and then then you got Rock for Mania see, Forty. See, and that's that's why I'm saying it's a little more interesting if you do Roman beating Rock or Roman at least. Being champion when C- when a Cena shows up, uh, and uh, by the way, I think Cena winning the Royal Rumble is <laughs> that's how you, that's how you turn him heel because Cena winning the Royal Rumble would be I think it would come with massive boos. Oh yeah, it, yeah, you would. Well, I mean, here's the thing: he's getting pops everywhere. Like every time yeah, he comes no doubt, back, no doubt. So, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I wonder if he becomes the the crowd favorite if he comes back at pick twenty nine or whatever. Maybe, okay. Maybe. I mean, the Royal okay. Rumble is in, is in San Antonio in January. I'll, I'll hopefully be in attendance. Uh, but one thing I can say about the San Antonio crowd is they're uh, they love John Cena. <laughs> they're very. Uh, they've always been pro John Cena, even when everyone else hated him. How can you not like him, man? Um, okay, <laughs> let's talk MJF. We're we're going yes. a little long, but uh, are you good? Are you good on time? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. 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 MJF, like I know it's his catchphrase. I know it's, his, it's part of his gimmick. He truly is a generational talent. Like. You know, we're talking about The Rock. I think he's modern-day Rock. I'm not exaggerating. I think when I watch him, that's what I think of. Like, he is the biggest thing going on in pro wrestling. And, you know, I'm I'm curious how you felt. Like, So you were a big WCW guy, right? Especially uh, during the Attitude Era? Yeah. So when you watched the WCW, when guys like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho and, like, you know, real generational guys were, like, you know, battling it out, trying to find a spot. Did you did you ever feel like, man, I, I wish they were in the WWE? This feels like there's a ceiling on whatever they can do here. Like, I don't well, trust this infrastructure to truly, you know, catapult this guy's stardom. In retrospect, in retrospect, yes. But I will. I, when the attitude era was going on, when I was watching WCW, I was six or seven years old. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> any of that. I was right. just seeing like, wow, this Rey Mysterio guy is incredible. And he's mm-hmm. having all these matches with people I don't like, like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, who in retrospect, you're like, oh, those guys were also incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think I would have ever thought about like the ceiling. And at the time, I didn't really know, obviously, how contracts work and stuff like that. So I wasn't right. I wasn't aware of people jumping shit to the other company, really. Um, um, but in retrospect, yeah, like it's 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 obvious. It's plain to see. I mean, even even when I was little and not fully knowing what wrestling was, but knowing what wrestling was. And being like, well, okay, Sting versus Goldberg. Sting's my favorite, but Goldberg's on a on a hot streak right now. Like, even 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 eight year old me in nineteen ninety nine was like, Sting's not winning this match, you know. 
And and I think you feel that way about like the undercard guy, like Rey Mysterio versus Kevin Nash. Rey Mysterio is not winning that match. And I think that has to do with like that that ceiling that you're talking about permeating, even even through kayfabe permeating, and even like 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 uh, like just to make the comparison now, like does a nine year old today take like Dolph Ziggler seriously because no. of ten years of what TV has shown? how WWE treats Dolph Ziggler. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that stuff does permeate. Um, and so whether, you know, for a kid like myself at the time, you're not recognizing that, but I think it's, it's, if it, if it's permeating the the general audience who, who might still think it's the real fights, then I think, yeah, it's like plain to see. And it's clear. So when I watch MJF, I feel like there's a glass ceiling there, not in terms of his ceiling at the company, right? Which, which was the case for Chris Jericho or, or Eddie Guerrero at WCW, right? It was their ceiling of the company. But more so their ceiling in pro wrestling, like their importance in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a ceiling there. And I feel like, man, if we can get this guy out of here as soon as possible. He just won the world title there, and I'm still like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't trust them with him. Okay, you know? that's interesting. You know, I'm like, yeah. get him out of there. Get him out of there. You know, like, like he, he, his kayfabe contract date is 2024, right? We don't know if it's actually mm-hmm. 2024. But if if it yeah. is, the WC, I mean the WWE has to swoop in and get this guy at the hell out of there. I don't trust Tony Khan with anything, with anything, <laughs> especially the way this last year has gone for him. I, I don't think he's an experienced enough booker to to realize what kind of talent he has on his hands. Took him long enough to realize how important he was. Um, I don't think he understands um, how to use him. You know, I, I I think MJF knows how to use MJF, and thankfully that's saving a lot of this. But I don't know if long term, I'm like, I don't know if I trust this guy's career in his hands. I, 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 that's how I feel watching MJF in, in, like, in AEW. I'm like, this is the best guy in the industry right now, and he's in the wrong business. He's in the wrong company. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Would you feel the same way? Um, or would you feel as confident about WWE's handling of MJF if it was still Vince McMahon at the helm? Because I think I feel- the answer for me is no. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I think I think I'd feel a little bit more confident with Vince, but I wouldn't feel I still wouldn't feel confident, right? Like in the way yeah. I trust I trust Triple H, um, right? Just because just I I think MJF is just good enough to where like, even Vince and all his weirdness, he would recognize this, right? Like there's there's no way everybody knows this. Like if yeah. you're a wrestling fan, you know how good this guy is, right? He's it's getting he's a heel and he's getting cheered like crazy, right? That's because all those mm-hmm. fans know. How good he is, and they know that you know this is what's going on here is special. We've got like a seven to ten year gap with this guy before he explodes and does other stuff, and we we I you you're like in the moment appreciating it. Yeah, no, you're 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 dead on. Um, to your point about uh, not trusting TK uh, and his booking of AEW, I mean, uh, I was really worried. I just watched the match with the, the Mox MJF match where MJF gets crowned champion. I just watched it before hopping on this call. Uh, I'm a little behind on wrestling as I always am. Um, but, um, uh, good, great match. Awesome moment. Incredible finish, um, with the regal turn. But it's interesting because I was thinking about it and I was writing notes during that match and I thought to myself, man, this was a clunky way to get to the obvious. Mm-hmm. There's an extremely clunky way to get to the obvious MJF needs to be champion ASAP kind of deal. If you think about it, his his quote-unquote quitting AEW promo, that was back in June. That was five months ago. That's yeah. when he should have been champion. 
like in my in my mind. So for five months, I've been telling myself, okay, MJF should be champion. Why is he not champion yet? Why is uh, he not wrestling? Two, why is he, why not, is he wrestling? not wrestling? Yeah. And hey, hey, the contract dispute I think was real. I think the contract dispute was real. I think he does have a new contract. I think it, he did get a major raise. Um, whether that that 2024 date was real. Now, if now if they did renegotiate, I don't know if it's been extended. Like I don't think we've seen any reporting on that. But that 2024 date was real, um, uh, and they used it and they used it to their advantage uh, on television. Uh, and MJF quit. And I guess there was supposed to be a big CM Punk MJF <laughs> thing, and and five months later, it's just the clunkiest way to get there. We get MJF quitting and being off television for a few months. We get CM Punk winning the title twice and dropping it twice because of reasons that are uh, beyond what what we what we wanted to discuss today. No, um, we're not talking about it. Yeah, and MJF's return. Uh, he's involved with the firm, and the firm is helping him, but he's not down with them. Like they immediately blew that up immediately because I guess MJF was getting too many babyface reactions. So they wanted to play into that. Uh, and then you get Moxley winning the champ- championship twice. And in my opinion, Moxley is AEW's version of break glass in case of emergency, Brock Lesnar return or break glass in case of emergency, put the belt on Cena. Mm-hmm. That's John Moxley for me right now. So, so all of this, it's super clunky to get to the very obvious, which should have happened back in June, in my opinion. MJF is your world champion. That needed to happen while you had to strike while the iron was hot. I felt like they didn't do that. And that kind of goes to your point about um, maybe not trusting uh, Tony Khan's booking of the situation. Um, and the, even the regal thing is cool. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, does that turn work better if, it, if Daniel Bryan excuse me, Brian Danielson is the champion and not John Moxley. I think it works a little bit better because it feels like there's a, a real betrayal. A bigger, it feels like more of a betrayal because Moxley is like, he's always been like the lone wolf guy, but now he's in a faction because it's AEW and everyone has to be in a faction. <laughs> and so, so it all just felt a little clunky, but all that matters now, uh, starting Saturday when MJF won the title, all that matters is what is what happens going forward. Now, the world title picture is fresh again. It hasn't been for like a, it hasn't been since Kenny Omega, in my opinion. That's a year ago. Um, the the world title picture is fresh again with MJF. Now, I, now I want to see where they go. If he just feuds with Moxley for another three months, then I'm out. That's not fun anymore. It's not. It's it's boring. Feud with Daniel Bryan because of the the regal thing. Feud with Claudio Castagnoli, and then move on. It's, it's enough with the enough with the gang wars. Let's yeah. let's get some some real singles competition in there for MJF and just let him have great matches, great promos for a year as champion. Yeah, and like um, I'm sorry, I, I'm blanking on the tag team that's go, that's getting really hot in AEW. I really like. Oh, the um, the acclaimed. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm gl- thank you for thank you for telling me that. Um, yeah, everybody so you, loves the acclaimed. Yeah, everybody loves the acclaimed. So you know, you mentioned how it was very clunky to get there, right? Like this should have happened. Way, way before it should have happened. And I'm thinking of the acclaimed, right? This super hot tag team that had an opportunity to win the belts. And it really felt like it was their moment to win the belts. And they lost the belts. And they, it was such a, t- a terribly timed decision that they had to schedule another match just to get the belts on these guys. Yep. Yep. A week it, later, two weeks later, something like that. And, and the steam kind of, you know, went away a little bit, right? Like 
And mm-hmm. and it was even worse with MJF because like that promo, I mean, it was it might be the greatest promo I've ever seen. You know, when he quit, um, mm-hmm. that might have. I'm not even kidding. Like it might be the greatest promo I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Period. Um, I that's when I really started to feel like okay, this guy's you know this guy's rock, this guy's flair, this guy's whoever you want, whatever generational guy you want to attach to him, he's that. And it's like the moment that happened. I'm stopping him before he gets, you know, he gets in his car. I'm like, let's work this out. Let, Absolutely. Let, let's, let's get a long-term deal figured out. Let's get you signed. Let's get you a race. We don't have, we don't have to extend. We can just get you a race. Just don't go away from TV for five months. Yeah. Right? Like, th- that was the, the, wor- the worst handling of a situation I've ever seen. I get that they had CM Punk and they can have him ride the pine while, um, while MJF is, you know, just out doing whatever. But... It doesn't matter. Why not have two generational guys in you know at your company at the same time? Exactly, it, and 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 maybe maybe the butter butterfly effect happens, and AEW still has MJF as champion, and CM Punk is still a regular draw for the company, right? Like they couldn't do that, and hey, maybe that doesn't happen because the backstage relationships are what the backstage relationships are, but. I don't know if, if things go a little differently. And, and so the, the pay-per-view that Moxie won the title was forbidden door up against the new Japan uh, pro wrestler Tanahashi. And, and okay. Why is the AEW title up, up, uh, up for grabs in a match against new Japan when we know new Japan's not winning the AEW championship. Like we could have just done immediately that night, MJF versus Mox for the AEW title on top of a stacked AEW versus new Japan card i mean that i hindsight's 2020 always but in even in the moment i was like well why aren't we addressing the mjf of it all like and then as it turns out that just kept dragging out dragging out he comes back and then he's immediately again it's aw so it's gang wars he's immediately with with a firm uh with the firm and i'm just like all right i mean can we have a single can we have a single star for once i mean there there isn't one in aw so it's 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 fresh now that he's champion, and if he just has Regal by his side, and it's not, and okay, and the occasional hired goons. That's what I like about MJS character is like, he'll in kayfabe he'll spend the money to get his way, um, but it doesn't have to be permanent relationships with whoever. And so, I'm just excited to see what happens next. Now, if they if he just feuds again with Moxley, and Moxley didn't go on that planned vacation, then I, I'm not excited about this anymore. But for, yeah. but for the moment, great match, great moment. Guy deserves it. And like you mentioned, if he has, I mean, uh, you mentioned the seven to ten year run. If he has that, then he's unequivocally greatest of all time. Because no, yeah, the absolutely. rocks, <laughs> the and and by the way, I don't think it happens because seven to ten years is a long time. The a rocks time. entire run, the rocks entire run, Rocky Maivia to Hollywood, is less than seven years. Yeah. So that and that's the Rock's entire run. Stone Cold's entire run on top is like four years tops. Um, so we're talking like unprecedented John Cena type run. That's why John Cena gets so much goat credit because that was a ten year run legitimately. Yeah, um, Cena and Hogan are the only guys who had long tenures like that. Yeah, and so if MJF gets there, and I don't think he will. I mean, he's already filming a movie. So if he crushes that, then it then it's over. We might lose him in a year to Hollywood, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's on the precipice of something extremely interesting and it could be historic. 
Yeah, I mean, again, like if I'm the WWE, I'm trying to find out his contract status. I'm sure they already know it, and you know, like oh, they know, they yeah, know, they, they know what whatever it is, they know what it is. Uh, and, and I'm, w- I'm trying to get him. WWE might lose some second round draft picks for tampering because they know they're, they're making those. <laughs> it's worth calls. it. It's worth it for yeah. MJF. It's worth it. I take yeah. my second rounders. Take my first rounders for yeah. MJF. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, so. That's my whole thing with this. Like, I, I just don't trust them. You mentioned like the, they they can't seem to build guys without putting them in factions. Like even MJF, he comes out and he's with Cody Rhodes. Like just let him be MJF by himself. Like I, mm. I and, and that actually ended up working, right? But you're doing it with everybody. You're doing yeah, it with and, no, and, and here's the thing: it made sense because no, no, on a national level, no one knows who MJF is. I knew who he was. Uh, I watched him wrestle a lot in Austin. Um, uh, I Texas knew who he was. The Independence knew who he was. But when he gets, he gets to that national level, it makes sense that not everyone's going to know who he is. So you put him in a faction with Cody, uh, use Zig, uh, or use Zag where you think they're going to Zig uh, because he's a natural heel. He was kind of a baby face at the start of AEW until that quick Cody yeah. turn. And that, that happened quick, thankfully. But yeah. um, turning turning to feud with Cody and then just going on that run. Um, and by the way, MJF is the type of dude that I would love to see um, lead a faction. But the problem is there's a hundred of them in AEW, so what's what's going what's the difference going to be? Um, so now it's like forget a faction. I just want to see him with Regal. Um, well, I, I actually think they're going to go back to the firm. I I think I mean it's very clear now that the, the firm had faked those instances where they came out to the ring, they attacked Moxley, right? Like even the whole like Moxley, not Moxley, um, MJF attacking back thing. It was like pokes in the eye. It was like low blows. Like it was like it was it was it was very Three Stooges in the way he fought back right it was very yeah. planned i think they did that intentionally they wanted to make it you know obvious to the audience that this guy this doesn't seem up and aboard above board the way he's fighting yeah. back against the firm right um, yeah well i hope i hope not because the firm's not it's not like it's not like they're being treated well on television um my the most underrated wrestler in AEW, in my opinion is ethan page all ego ethan page and he they do the firm thing they get a little momentum they're they're in the main during the title program with MGF, MJF and Ethan Page jobs to Eddie Kingston, who hasn't done anything in a little while. I get that mm-hmm. everyone loves Eddie Kingston, but he had lost his momentum. Let's 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 give some other guys some shine. Um, um, I can see the frustration in your face. Every yeah, no, it's I, <laughs> a, 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 AEW will not win my uh, promotion of the year for 2022. Let's just put it that way. But yeah. uh, but MJF could very. I mean, I just I just see well Regal coming back in 2023. Yeah, I just see Regal coming and leading the firm along with MJF. Like, I, th- I think that's how they're going to introduce the storyline or whatever, right? I- I'd love if they just brought the pinnacle back because they teased them. Uh, it didn't really work out the first time. Um, mm-hmm. I- if they're going to do a faction, yeah, turn FT- FTR heel again. Uh, Sean Spears, bring him back. Just make it make it the pin- pinnacle again and actually achieving the heights that they were sort of poised to achieve the first time. Right. Uh, well, I mean, my, my whole point is that with this is like, this guy's a generational talent and I don't, I don't feel comfortable with him in this company <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I would, I, I would like him to get the fuck out as soon as possible. Um, okay. We're running into an hour and I do have one more segment. Yeah. Are, are you still so okay, good? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Logan Paul. Okay. Let me get my notes out. <laughs> I have a lot to say here. Okay. I have two pleas I want to make first to Logan Paul himself. I want you go. to drop everything else you're doing right now and like renegotiate a contract with the WWE to include more dates because 
I think in his mind, he thinks he's a jack of all trades, right? He thinks he can do all of this stuff really well, kind of like Jamie Foxx, right? Like he can, he's like a mm-hmm. master of entertainment or whatever, right? He's very entertaining. He's not that. He's he's right. he's not a he's not a jack of all trades. He's a master of none right now. And you mm-hmm. could truly be great at this. Like you could be you could truly be a very capable star at, at the WWE. And you know, like his match with I mean, you just watched this today. I mean, how, what was your impression? of the match with Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, the match with Roman was fantastic. The, the thing that I kept coming back to watching that whole match is I can't remember if a celebrity has had a, a singles match one-on-one um, with not a lot of sh- shenanigans. There were shenanigans, but it wasn't crazy over the top. Um, a celebrity having a one-on-one singles match for the title uh, in the main event of a stadium show. I mean, no. and granted, granted, it's not your typical stadium show because it's it's uh, the it's in crown it's crown jewel in Saudi Arabia once a year. That's like a built-in stadium show. It kind of doesn't matter what the main event's going to be, but there's a reason why it was Logan Paul versus Roman because he's good at this. Straight up, Logan Paul is good at this. He's really good at this. He's really, really good at this, man. He's like really his frog splash is beautiful. It's beautiful. I like. I, it reminds me of Eddie. Like, like that's how good he is at at that. Um, the the, the kip up, like the, that's that's Sean. He's working with Sean. I, like he, he's clearly picking this stuff up. Um, you know he doesn't have his own style yet, but who? So what? He's ad- adapting from everybody, right? He's he's just like doing all the best stuff that we thought we could do when we were kids. But we, it turns out, hey, we're not that athletic when we're kids. Roman, yeah. I mean, not Roman Reigns. Logan Paul is a freak athlete. Right, everything he does in the ring is, is something that you know half of the half of the the backstage locker room dreams they could do. You know, like he he can put on a match better than almost everybody there, except for maybe a handful of guys. Right, and at that point, you're talking your AJ Styles, your Roman Reigns, you know, the top the top top guys. Like those are the only guys that can put on a, a capable match better than him. Right now, already. Um, Go I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the pause the the pause button there a little bit just because. Um, I think did it's you, did, you, low- did you feel he was green? Did you? I didn't no, feel he was green at no, all. No, 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 not green at all. Thought he was great. Um, but I, I like if he was doing this week in week out, I don't think we'd be saying that all of his matches are amazing and that there's only yeah. a handful of guys that could. That's do it fair. Better. I think this is one of those instances where he trained for a match for a couple of months and trained for the layout of the match. They, like he knew the bullet the high points spots. at yeah. least a month, at least a month prior, and he's working it all with Shawn Michaels, which is incredible. And 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 by the way, that's not it's not easy to do. But I'm just saying, like, um, the beauty of pro wrestling is the improvisational nature of the actual in ring work. Um, so uh, I, Logan Paul's probably not there yet because he's only had three matches. Um, well, I'm not saying he's there. But he can totally, those he can totally the, get there. Yeah, I'm saying those are the only guys that are better than him. Right? Like I'm saying. Those are the only guys that can capably put on a match better than him. We're like Seth Rollins, right? Um, AJ Styles, uh, Roman Reigns, right? Like the, like the top guy, Sami Zayn. Like these are the only guys that can like capably put on a better match than him, right? I'm, I'm going to give more credit to the rest of the roster, but yeah, I mean he's incredible. I mean, who who like okay, Kevin Owens, obviously he could put on a better match, like but like I, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso. I'm not uh, sure, Kev, but see, see, Kevin I'm not Owens. Sure, but, See, like you bring in the Usos, I think he's better. He's a better performer than those guys. Like, okay, I, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> he, he, you just watched the match, right? Like he he was amazing. Like yeah, he, no, he, he was. 
And he has the advantage, as you said, he's not wrestling week in and week out. He can pull out all his best shit for the main match, right? Whereas all those yeah. other guys, they can't do that. They have to save that for the pay-per-view, right? And he's not going to do this on a Raw or a SmackDown. He's going to have to do something else. He's going to have to find out a moveset that works for him, right? And you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff is probably not... He probably shouldn't do this every week, right? It's probably like no. I don't. I don't. He tore up I don't his think knee. He should be frog splashing through tables. Yeah. Right. He he tore up his knee doing it on a regular pay per view. Right. He probably shouldn't be doing this. Uh, uh, doing it at this at this rate. But the fact that he has this in him, I mean, he, here's he, that was my first plea. It's to Roman Reigns. Like, I mean, not to Roman. It's to Logan Paul. Please drop everything else you're doing. You're not that good of a boxer. <laughs> Yeah, you're a decent podcaster. Fine, you can keep the podcast. You can keep the YouTube channel. Whatever you can do that while you're in the WWE. Go be a WWE star. Like, go go do that. Like, because you could truly be like one of the main guys of the 2020s if 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 you drop everything you're doing right now and and go commit yourself to this. I don't think you're you're gonna find that sign of success anywhere else. I think you're gonna earn more money here. I think you're gonna become more famous here uh, than anywhere else. My next place to Triple H. Drop everything you're currently doing and fly to wherever the hell Logan Paul is and open up the checkbooks. Like, you have to sign this guy to a multi-year deal with lots of dates. Like, if you told me I'd be I'd be saying all this two years ago, I'd tell you you were crazy. But this is a star in plain sight. It, it, just in terms of the in-ring performances. And he has the charisma that, you know, I'm not sure if he's that great of a promo yet, but I, I can totally see him becoming a good promo because he has that kind of charisma. The way he carries himself, right? He, him as a baby fist, I'm not sure if I totally buy that right now. I think probably no, the, the audience doesn't buy it right now. He probably needs to become, become a heel. Um, but whatever. Like, we know he's a star. You know it. I know it. H Triple H obviously knows it. Like, and he, he's the one who found him. Obviously, he knows that. You can't let these guys go. You just can't. He can't be a part timer. This guy could be one of the best stars of the 2020s, and you don't let those guys go. You have to make them perennial main eventers. If you can, if you have to do everything in your power to retain these guys for long-term deals, sign this guy up for as many dates as you possibly can. Make this guy a regular on your roster. You know how much more exciting the WWE would be if this guy was on Raw and SmackDown every week? I'd be watching every week. I mean, I am watching every week nonetheless, but like, you know, your casual fan would tune in to watch this guy. He would he would drive numbers, that's for sure. He would absolutely mm-hmm. drive numbers. There's no I mean, I think he already has the most watched YouTube video on WWE's official YouTube account. So, what, what video is go. that? Is it is it the Frog Splash? No, it's it's one of his early. It's one of his first promos, I think, with Roman. Um, mm. Or it might have even been before the Roman feud. I can't remember. But some at some point in 2022, a YouTube uh, a clip that WWE posted that involved Logan Paul became their most watched YouTube video of all time. Right. And WWE does very well on YouTube. For, for those that yeah. might not know, they do extremely well on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think like this. This is a guy. Like, I'm not saying I don't feel like the, the way I feel about him. The way I feel about MJF, right? I'm not saying that. But this guy is very talented here, right? There, there's a lot of raw talent here to work with. You gotta. I, I, I feel like you gotta, you gotta get this guy. <laughs> you gotta get this guy locked in. You gotta make this guy a part of your main roster. And uh, Logan, like whatever the hell you're doing elsewhere, like it's, it's you're just not gonna be as good at those things as you are at this. This is this is your calling. Whatever you were doing in life before, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why you weren't <laughs> wrestling five years ago, right? Like, the, 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 this is clearly what you were meant to do in life. Yeah, and you said you said the phrase right there, raw talent. I mean, you get this guy training every week. 
uh, getting the reps out there in front of a live crowd every week. Yeah, I think he becomes that perennial main event type talent. Yeah, I mean, it, it is with the, really with a with a built in following. Could you imagine? Mm. WWE couldn't ask for a better situation than to just have a guy brand new, fresh, who already has a bigger following than maybe even the entire WWE does. So. And, and hey, maybe maybe that's that's why I was wrong because he did all that. Now he's coming into WWE with his large following, following, and he has a bunch of leverage to get earn you know yeah. however much money he wants to earn. Um, that, that's why Triple H you got to open up the checkbooks, right? You got you got you got to hit the piggy bank here, and uh, oh, yeah. and, and get this guy. Um, he, he he's he's worth it. I think he's gonna he's gonna drive numbers. He's gonna bring people. Uh, he's gonna put asses in seats. He's gonna draw draw eyeballs to the pay per views. All that stuff. Um. I think this. I think he's worth it. And like I again, like two years ago, I could not give two shits about Logan Paul. I really didn't care about him, right? Uh, now it's like, yeah, he's, he's. I find him incredibly compelling, and I, I, yeah. I think on this on on a WWE roster, he could really, really help them. Definitely, and I, the only thing I'd be worried about is running the risk of losing that attraction. Um, I think WWE and AEW, all wrestling companies, need that. As much as people hate it, they need that Brock Lesnar that shows up once every few months to drive numbers. And I think a celebrity is the perfect person to do that. But I agree. Like if Logan Paul, the, I think the problem is there's too much money to be made in uh, celebrity showcase boxing events. Like I think that that single day payday is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Perhaps, so, yeah. So that might be too tough to turn down, but um, we'll match it. Yeah, ma- it, ma- ma- match, yeah. match those numbers. Listen, you got you got to do that. Listen, WWE, keep printing honorary shirts so that you can so you can afford to pay Logan Paul whatever he wants, or print Logan Paul shirts, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, make money off of him. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't understand why, why there can't be a mutually beneficial relationship here. Um, this is gonna help Logan too, uh, and oh, yeah, and I. Definitely. Like, like the WWE audience already loves the guy, right? Like, the, the, this this was an audience that was built to hate him, right? Built to mm-hmm. not stand him, like, like absolutely despise everything he stands for. He's a part timer. He's a celebrity. He's never done this before. He's coming in. He's coming in on our turf. This audience was built to hate him, and yet they're begr- they're begrudgingly earning, you know, gaining its respect, right? And I think that's that's something you just don't see. And the reason you're seeing it is because he's so freaking talented. Yeah, that that and that's always the case. I mean, uh, wrestling fans don't like the outsider until the outsider takes it seriously. Right. Um, like Bad Bunny, uh, right? Bad, Bad Bunny. Bunny. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the example I was going to bring up. Bad Bunny. Uh, even someone like I mentioned earlier, but like Stephen Amell. Um, don't know who that even is. Even someone like him. Uh, he he wrestled against Stardust. He was the Green Arrow on uh, on CW, uh, and but now he parlayed actually getting into wrestling into creating a wrestling television show called heels. And it's pretty damn good. So I would recommend that. Um, okay. But it's just sort of like when the celebrity takes it seriously and they're athletic, it's, uh, it's, it's not hard to win the crowd back. Um, everyone, well, it is no hard. One, Cause I'm not sure if anybody can, everybody can do this. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the bar to get there is very high, but once you get there, it's easy to turn that crowd uh, in your favor. I mean, bad, Bu- bad bunny is probably the biggest surprise. Cause I think, I don't think anyone knew he was at, as athletic as low. I think people understood Logan Paul's athletic, maybe not this athletic. No, I, I, but... I honestly didn't know he was this athletic. I just, I, I knew he was no. built. I didn't know he was like this, you know? No. Yeah, exactly. And so once you have those tools down and I mean, l- let's face it, Logan Paul hosts, 
like, I guess a YouTube show and like he has his own podcast and all that stuff is not easy. Uh, as you know, as a podcast host, it's not easy to create content that connects. And so he's, he was able to do that before WWE and now he's doing it with WWE. I, I want to see more of it. Like you said, like, I, like, I don't see it happening just from a practicality standpoint again, but if he, if he shows up every Monday night or like if he answers Seth Rollins, like us championship open challenge and wins, no one's going to be mad at that. That's going to be incredible. Hey, uh, this isn't a proud moment for me. I tuned into his last podcast just to see if he was actually injured. You know, like, 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 so, okay. like, so me as a wrestling fan, you've got me to tune into your podcast because I'm interested in your injury, right? If you're actually healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so there, there's, again, there's money. To, this can draw interest to your other projects. You know, I, um, if you, if you were to still do boxing, right? Perhaps tone those events down because, God knows, like it's not it's terrible for your body, and your your brother's better at it than you. So just just you know maybe maybe do one or two of those a year, but like put all your effort into this WWE thing because you're you're special at this, man. Yeah. So you brought up his brother. I didn't love his brother's involvement. Oh, you terrible execution. Yeah. In execution on paper, I think it works. Uh, As a guy who throws real punches for a living at this point, he doesn't know how to throw the work to punch. So they looked pretty bad. but on paper, WrestleMania in Hollywood, it's the Usos versus the Pauls, right? That, like that has to be on the table. Yeah, or or, or Owens and Zayn, right? I mean, like, or Owens and Zayn. That's yeah. that's that's like the wrestling brain. Uh, because <laughs> WrestleMania is in Hollywood, I'm trying to use more of that uh, that that booking for a casual viewership brain, which is mm-hmm. why I think you get The Rock, which is why you get like Ronda versus Becky one on one, which is why I think you get. Um, the Pauls versus the Usos, that kind of stuff. Um, well, if, and, if, we're, if we're using the casual brain, I mean, he challenged he challenged John Cena on his last podcast. Well, yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you and go. That seems like what they're going to do there. Maybe Logan, maybe it's Logan Paul versus The Rock, and uh, and Roman wrestle whoever. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. I mean, see, like, see, the, 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 if they use them as a part timer, this is where it would frustrate me. Where it's not going to make any sense to me, but it makes sense yeah. for the casual viewer. Um. Yeah. I mean, that that that's why I just I just want him to be a, a full timer, man. I want him to be in this because I, I I do enjoy his work a lot. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a cool ass story, you know. Just just a, this outsider, this celebrity, this YouTuber. This. I mean, seemingly. I mean, prop maybe he watched a little bit of wrestling growing up, but not really a wrestling fan. You know, not like a diehard, mm-hmm. right? Um. Just comes in and absolutely dominates like this. Um. I've we've never seen this before. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's already. We got to see what how Pat McAfee uh, evolves as a wrestler because I think McAfee's great also. But I mean Logan Paul is he's got to be bar none like the best celebrity involvement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, I made this pitch to you. I might as well say on the podcast. <laughs> I want him to win Money in the Bank. I want him to walk around with the briefcase for like a half a year. I think that works. I think yeah. that works. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, works, and it plays into the heelish stuff that you know we want him to turn heel. I mean, n- there's no better heel than the guy holding the briefcase, right? Yeah, I think, I think, and I think it works for him. Let me, uh, let me, not to turn this into fantasy booking corner, but let me just bring this up real quick. What if, as we mentioned at the top of this podcast, Sami Zayn de- dethrones Roman Reigns, gets his moment, none other than Logan Paul cashing in to ruin that moment? I mean, 
Uh, it doesn't I mean, get better than that. It doesn't get better than that. Fans would hate him, right? Because <laughs> that doesn't get better all, than that. They're all behind Sammy, and I would love the feud there. I would love the the feud that he has there with uh with Logan. I mean, it makes great they, matches if if they're both doing if they both if they're both allowed to do their best stuff, right? Because Sammy yeah. Sammy can go right, and if they're both and allowed. To, yeah, I mean, yeah, with the bloodline stuff, right? Yeah, if if they're both allowed to go and do their best stuff. I mean, you're talking about a phenomenal yeah. match right there. Totally. I mean, and even before the uh, Bloodline stuff, Sammy Zayn and Logan Paul tag team, I think. I think that was Logan Paul's first match. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not yeah. misremembering that, that was at the first WrestleMania post-pandemic. Or see, yeah, in yeah. pandemic. But, I wasn't actively watching, but I, I did see some of the moves, right? On, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like, that, that's where like it intrigued me, right? I was like, oh, yeah. what's going on here? You know? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Man. Guys. We had, is we it had wrestling a, fun? It is. Is it wrestling fun? It is so fun. I mean, it's it's. It, I'm having much more fun uh, lately. But I I I'm so glad you came on to do this with me because like I had I had all this stuff swirling around in my brain for like months, right? And I just need to get it out because honestly, like, totally. there's I don't have any like I, I recognize that most people follow me for the Rockets, but man, the, this is this is such a a childhood interest for me, and I. It was eating at me, man. I, I wanted to talk about it somewhere. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to talk about it on my basketball podcast. I don't care yeah, we how need, it's received. We, we might need a, a wrestling vertical Red Nation uh, Red Nation uh, graphs or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll get to work on that. We'll get to work on that. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, George. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, I, I know you know you haven't been writing about the Rockets, but got no. wrestling stuff. No, I don't have anything to plug at the moment. I mean, if you want to follow me on Twitter at George C. Flotus 22, you can um, for however long Twitter's still uh, alive. So, follow me on Mastodon we'll at SoulModelNBA at Mastodon.world. It's, that's the one thing about Mastodon. It's like you, you have the first at, then you got a second at. Like, the, that makes it complicated to plug. Yeah. But hey. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing nothing to plug for me. Just uh, I, I always enjoy talking to wrestling. I always enjoy uh talking shop with you, Salman, uh, whether it's wrestling, the Rockets or whatever, um, or our World Series champion Astros. So, Our I mean, World Series champion Astros. Yeah, there you go. There we yeah. go. All right. There you go. Bang on these trash cans. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, that's all I got, man. But, but it's been really awesome talking wrestling. For sure. It's been, it's been great catching up with you.